0: My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 110. Hey, folks. Welcome back to My Car Guru. This is Lenny Lawson, your friend in the car business. Do you already have one? Do you have somebody that works at a car dealership that you know? Maybe you do business with him. Maybe the, the sales guy that you bought your vehicle from. Maybe the general manager or the dealer himself. If you have one... Then and, and they're good, and they're reliable, and they're knowledgeable, then you don't need me. But if you don't have one, I'm the guy. I'm the guy that you can call 423-552-2020. That is my cell phone number. Still, you know, some people call the dealership, Gateway Ford or Gateway Nissan, and they say, can I speak to Lenny? And they say, well, let's see if we can find him. And they can't always find me. I'm Sometimes I'm unfindable. But if you have my cell phone, 423-552-2020. You can actually send me a text. Ask your question. Hey, Lenny, I've got this vehicle with this VIN number this many miles, and it's got this, these goodies on it, like a sunroof and leather and so forth, and what package it has on it. What's it worth? I'll give you an answer. And I'm so confident in my estimation of the value of your vehicle that that I will back it up with a check I will actually write you a check. As long as you described it properly, I'll buy it because that's what I do. Uh, Let's say that you're getting ready to take your car into the shop. You're concerned about a light that's on, or you've been told that it's going to cost so many dollars to fix this particular problem. You can call me or text me. Hey, Lenny, is this valid? Is this something that, that I should be paying for? Why isn't this under warranty? Should this be covered by my extended warranty, Lenny, Carguru? I can answer those questions, and so make sure you tell your friends. You know, forward maybe one of my podcasts to them, if you know how to do that. Let them listen up. Tell them they can get to me on uh, Google Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. What else? Um, I can't think of some of those other. Oh, Amazon Prime. Uh, You can get to me that way. So there's a lot of different ways you can get to the My Car Guru podcast. One thing you could do is just Google it, My Car Guru podcast, and there it will be. Okay, so let's talk about what happened to me this weekend. Got up somewhat late, Saturday. Didn't feel like, you know, getting up early. But I did feel like driving one of my old cars. So I said, honey, you want some tea? The answer to that question is always yes, because she likes those big 32-ounce teas from Pals. That's a drive-through for those of you who are not from East Tennessee. So uh, I, I was going to go get some tea. So I go downstairs to my garage. I had in the garage that day, I had my 65 Corvair convertible, which is my favorite car. And then, uh, what else was down there? Oh yeah, the 66 Mustang K-Code. I would brought it home just to... Make sure it knows that I love it. And so it was sitting there. And I start, I thought about taking it, but I decided, no, I'm going to take Old Reliable. I thought it was Old Reliable. I opened up the garage door, climbed in the Corvair, turned the key, and nothing. Not even a click. I said, well, this is unusual. So I said, okay, what's going on? So I pulled my F-150 around right behind it. It's in the garage. The tail end of the car is where the battery is and the motor If you know anything about Corvairs and I hooked up the jumper cables in the correct order. Didn't want to blow up my battery and started the Corvair started right up. No problem. So I backed it back out and, you know, I was distracted, uh, turned it back off again. (sighs) Why did I do that? So I had to get the jumper cables again, jump it off again. And I wonder why my battery's dead. So I looked at the age of the battery. I bought that battery in 2017. Probably why it wouldn't start. I hadn't noticed it dragging any. You know, sometimes when the battery's going bad, it will warn you by when you start the car to go er, er," and then it will start. Well, I must have ignored those warnings because I didn't notice. Don't drive the car that often, maybe once every two weeks or so. So anyway, I needed to find out what was going on. So I called the dealership, the dealership that I own. And I called my parts manager, and I said, Greg, I need a new battery for my Corvair, and it has to be these dimensions, because the, the, uh, the, basically the bracket that holds the battery down is a certain size, and you can't put a bigger battery in there. So I measured the width, depth, and height of my battery, and I gave that to Greg, and he said, let me see what I can find. Well, Motocraft doesn't make a battery that size. That's a Ford brand. That's their parts brand. And he said, would you mind putting a GM battery or an AC Delco battery, which is General Motors? And I said, of course not. It's a General Motors car. That's what a Corvair is. So he looked, and he found one. And so I, it came in the next day. My uh, One of my technicians came over to the house and put it in for me. Not that I needed any help putting in the battery. I just didn't have enough time to do it. So he put the battery in, and he started the car, and boom, started right up. So is that the end of the story? Well, it could be, except, you know, my inquisitive mind wanted to know, I wonder if there's something wrong with my charging system, which would have let that battery go dead. Probably not because the battery was, what, six years old. So that's probably why, it you know, and it sits a lot, and I don't keep a trickle charger on it, which I'm supposed to do if you leave a car stored or take the battery off the car. That's... Equally good to do, but sometimes uh, old people who have old cars will buy something called a trickle charger and it won't jump start your car, it just keeps a little bit of current going into your battery all the time, just keeps it happy. And so, uh, but I hadn't done that, didn't do it. Maybe that battery would have lasted longer, but the new battery was working. But I wanted to make sure that it was getting adequate current from my alternator to keep it charged. So I decided to jump in it uh, yesterday. Drove it to the dealership. Beautiful day. Uh, enjoyed the the hair, the hair, the air blowing through my hair in the morning. And I pulled into the service department. Of course, when I pull an old car into my service department, it's just like a swarm. Of people say, "What's that? That's really cool," you know. And I just love talking about cars. And I told my service advisor, I said, "I need one of the techs to come up and check." and see what kind of voltage my alternator is throwing out. I want to make sure it's charging my battery adequately. So he got one of the guys, they came up with a little device, they hooked it up to the battery. I started the car and it showed that it was charging at 13.4 volts. Now the what's the battery? It's that's right. It's a 12 volt battery. So you want it uh you want your alternator putting out more than 12 volts obviously, but Preferably, you know, like 12.8 to 13.5. If it puts out too much, it could damage your battery. So what was it putting out putting out? It was putting out 13.4. So I was happy with that. So I jumped. So now I know that my charging system is good. My battery's good. Now if my wife and I want to go on a little cruise or go get some pals tea, we're good to go. So I just want to pass that on. There's a couple little extra things that you need to do. When this happens to you, number one, make sure you know how to jumpstart a car, Number, because it's much cheaper than having somebody do it for you, you know, paying somebody to do it. You don't need that. Number two, make sure you buy the correct battery with the correct cold cranking amps and the correct size. I've bought batteries before, and they didn't fit. So you can always measure the battery, especially on an old car. A lot of new cars um, they have a little bit more room and they don't have these crazy brackets that you have to use to, to hold the battery in place when you're going around curves and such. Then you get the new battery. Make sure that your alternator is putting out enough to keep the battery charged because sometimes that is the reason why the battery has lost its charge. If you, if you, if you notice, like when you're accelerating or not, you know, when you take your foot off the gas, you, you notice your headlights going dim. You got a problem. It could be your voltage regulator or it could be your alternator, but one of those two culprits could leave you stranded and could have you or or cause you to have a dead battery. So I thought that might be somewhat informative this morning, and I'll take my first break and be back in just one minute. Okay, I am back. You know, I really get tired of talking about EVs. You probably get tired of hearing me talk about EVs. Electric vehicles, for those of you who don't know what the acronym means. We just say EV around here, but uh, they're not selling. They really aren't. Um, I'm talking to a lot of my fellow Ford dealers and, you know, even a lot of General Motors dealers. They're all saying the same thing. People have sh- are shying away from them. You know, maybe Tesla is selling some, but they had a big price reduction recently, which has spurred. Some interest. I think probably people trading in their previously purchased uh, Teslas for new ones, uh, less less than the actually new folks getting into the market. Because I just think there's a lot of reluctance there, and and I beat that horse until it's really dead. But Ford is doubling down now. This is the latest auto news. Doubling down on hybrid pickups. Finally, somebody is getting smart. Ford plans to double production of hybrid F-150 pickup trucks in 2024. Uh, It says here they are accelerating their pivot towards gas electric powertrains as a hedge against reluctance among U.S. truck buyers to go all electric. You know, they have to sell trucks. That is the bread and butter of the Ford Motor Company. And if people aren't buying the Lightnings, they can't just, you know, hold a prayer meeting And say, let's sell, we got to do something to get some lightnings rolling. They have got to shift production. Uh, Ford said it's tooling up to equip 20% of the best-selling model line in the U.S. market with gas electric powertrains. I've enjoyed mine. I mean, I drive a power boost. If you're driving down the road and you see a F-150 and it says power boost on the door, or is it on the door? It might be on the fender. I think it's on the door. I can't even remember, and I drive it every day. If it says power boost, that is a hybrid, and that means that it has a an electric motor, very small electric motor, sandwiched between the engine and the transmission, and it also has a battery and a gasoline engine. And it does a really good job. I, you, know, I, you know, I think about a truck that size that can still get 24 miles to the gallon on the highway and about 21 around town. Whereas the typical full-size crew cab four-wheel drive pickup is lucky to get, I don't know, 16, 17 miles per gallon. I mean, I remember in the early 70s, we sold regular cab, long bed pickups, two-wheel drive, and they they were really doing good if they got 12 miles to the gallon. Much smaller trucks, too. But yeah, Ford is getting smart now, and they're deciding to go into the hybrid business. Everything is threatened right now by this big strike. I don't know if you read the news or watch the news. Better off if you don't. That's just an opinion. But the UAW is threatening a big strike against all the domestic automakers, all of their unionized plants. They want a 40% pay raise. So do I. So do you. But we're not going to get it. And they shouldn't either. But they're going to shut down some plants. I think they're I think they did adjust their request down to 30%. I think General or Ford offered a 15% raise over five years, which I think is pretty generous. But they, you know, they look at the profits that the automakers are making, and they're jealous. They want a piece of it. So I understand the mentality. I just don't agree with the strategy. So we'll see what happens there. Okay, so as soon as this show is over, I'm going to go outside. Well, I'm not going to go outside first. I'm going to go to the keyboard, get the keys to the F-150 Lightning, the electric... Lightning pickup truck, F-150. I ordered the thing thinking that I was going to buy it. And then when my power boost came in, I said, nah, I really don't. We like to travel too much in it, and I don't really want to worry about charging all the time. But my mindset has changed a little bit since these things aren't really selling that well like they were. I might as well drive it if it's just going to sit out here on the lot. So I'm thinking about trading in my my F-150 power boost I really don't want to because I like the color of the seats. I like everything about it for this lightning so that I can be a good sport when it comes to Ford and also be able to communicate what it's like to drive an electric vehicle all the time. Would you appreciate that? Getting a little feedback on that. Many of you don't care because you're not going to buy an electric vehicle until that's the only thing that's available, which I don't think will be ever, but who knows? Who knows? Ever's a long time, but I'm thinking about trying it out. My nephew, Max, who's my general sales manager, is thinking about doing the same thing with the Mach-E, which is the electric, the electric SUV that we sell. So he's wanting to try it out, and they have a really good lease program. Uh, I mentioned that the other day. Oh, by the way, if I do do this trade, I'm not buying the Lightning. I'm leasing it. I'm listening to myself. To my own advice, the only problem is it's a three-year lease. Would you want to on something new like that? Would you want to go into a three-year lease uh, on an electric vehicle? That's a pretty long commitment. Normally, I'll keep my vehicles that I buy, and I always buy a, a truck, and I keep it for two years, and then I sell it to one of my friends or somebody who listens to the radio show. They say, "Hey, lady, I want your truck." You know, so they're not really hard to sell. This power boost won't be hard to sell either. But I've just got to decide if I want to do that. They don't have a good two-year lease on the Lightning yet. Uh, the rates aren't good. The rate is really good. The cost of, They call it the money factor. 0.1 0.1%. That's a pretty good interest rate. Would you not agree? The thing that hurts me is the residual value in that rate. For three years, it's 54%, meaning it's going to depreciate 46%, according to them. Now, what happens at the end of that lease if they've guessed wrong about what that thing is going to be worth? Because basically Ford is rolling the dice as to what the value of that vehicle is going to be. When they set a residual value, if they sell that vehicle for less than that residual value, then they lose money. And they'll take them all to the auction, and they'll roll across the auction block, block, and whatever they bring that's what they get. If the vehicle brings a lot more at the auction block, then they've done pretty well. Now, you know, if you buy a vehicle, that residual value is your problem, not Ford's problem or Honda or whoever. You know, if you buy a vehicle, you're rolling the dice yourself. You know, if you finance it for 60 months and you normally like to trade every three years, then what's your payoff going to be in 60 months, and uh, what is the value of that vehicle going to be in 60 months? You know, if I like to trade every three years, and the only way that I can afford the monthly payment is to finance it for 60 months, then I'm going to go online and I'm going to print out an amortization schedule because I want to see what my payoff is going to be in three years. That's what amortization schedule. See, aren't you impressed that I could even say that? That's what that schedule will tell you. So you just go out 36 months, see what the payoff is, and then speculate. You could actually do more than speculate. You could send a text to me and say, Lenny, what's my, my F-150 going to be worth in uh, three years? And then I'll get my crystal ball out and tell you. But um, there's no guarantee on that, by the way. But we can peg it pretty close, you know, given that there aren't any major, you know, EMP attacks on on the infrastructure uh, in the United States, or there's no war, or, you know, major fuel shortages. So you can't really predict that kind of stuff. Do you think any of that stuff's going to happen in the short term or long term in the next 36 months? It's really hard to say, and we don't want to waste our time worrying about it, but It is important to be able to kind of plan a little bit. So if you think that that you're going to want to trade in three years and Lenny tells you that it's going to be worth this and you look at that versus what you'll owe on it and it looks like you're going to be upside down by about $10,000, maybe that's not the thing you ought to do. Maybe you ought to consider leasing it. You know, it is an exercise that you need to go through. Now, if you listen to some financial gurus like Dave Ramsey and people, they say, well, don't lease. You know, buy a used car. I don't want a used car. I want a new car. And, you know, they say that it doesn't make sense to buy new cars. And maybe to some people it doesn't. But, you know, I remember when people used to say, I want to buy a used car. I don't want to buy somebody else's problem. And, you know, there was a lot more risk back then. That's why people buy or that's one of the reasons why certified used cars are real popular right now because they come with guarantees. Do you feel better if you buy something that has a guarantee on it? I do. You know, I like a warranty on something. And a lot of things have much shorter warranties than you would think they should. Uh, automotive warranties are typically pretty long, three years, uh, thirty-six or 50,000 miles. The powertrain warranty is something that I would be interested in, though, especially who's backing it, what all does it cover, and... um, You know, am I going to be happy with this car for that period of time, or is it something that I don't really care about because I'm going to trade it in three years? See, there's a lot of considerations you need a guru for. And so, like I said, don't hesitate to give me a call. Um, It's about 25% of my time. The rest of my time is taken up with my new green outdoor business and running these car dealerships. But 25% should be adequate. So give me a call, 423-552-2020, or send me an email Lawson 2020 at gmail.com and I'll be back in one minute. okay I'm back so I'll let you know what I'm going to do as far as this f150 lightning I'm not real excited about it because I, like I say it's it's not it doesn't have the platinum trim level my uh, Plat power boost does have the platinum trim level and it's just pretty the seats are two-toned kind of a cam, or kind of a beige color and and charcoal so it's a cool combination, and then the outside is gray. This this lightning is kind of a very very light gray, and I like it. You know, it doesn't show dirt very bad. But the interior, it's just a lariat, which is still fancy, you know. But it's just not as cool as the the platinum. See, different things will motivate people. I mean, I I like um, a nice looking seats in a vehicle and a cool looking dash panel and all the bells and whistles. That's just you know, I'm kind of a gearhead and a uh, kind of an early adopter, and I like that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you what, what we're seeing a lot of right now is that uh, when you have a problem with those, especially when they, they run out of warranty, it's expensive to get them fixed. And there's not a lot of people that can fix them. You know, you can't take, a, a like, my Power Boost F-150, after it has about 75,000 miles on it, and it's, I don't know, maybe it has 175,000 miles on it, and it's got, you know, it's 10 years old. You can't take that to some mom-and-pop uh, repair shop and get them to fix it. They'll just look at you and say, "Huh, uh no. So you're going to have to go back to your Ford dealer to get that puppy worked on. I mean, that's just where we're going to be because they're just too too complex. So buy simple, you know, instead of buying a Platinum F-150, buy an XL go old school. Sometimes that makes sense. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.